This is Gesher, the podcast that's bridging the gap between the Jewish and evangelical Christian communities with conversations that matter. Here's your host, Ty Perry, with the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Gesher. Uh, as you know, on October 7th, the state of Israel was attacked. More than 1,400 Israelis, most of them civilians, were killed by Hamas, the Islamic terrorist organization that governs the Gaza Strip. And I've wanted to feature voices who are uh, responding to what happened there. And as I was thinking about who to interview, it didn't take me long at all to come up with uh, the name of our guest today. Rabbi Felipe Goodman is senior rabbi at the historic Temple Beth Shalom in Las Vegas, Nevada, a post he's held since 1998. Not only is he a rabbi, he's an advocate for the Jewish people, he's an activist for the Jewish state, and he's my friend. Felipe, welcome back to Gesher. Thank you, Ty. It's great to be with you. I miss you. I miss you too, Felipe. We have to get together uh, for some falafel soon. Um, I want to begin by asking you, uh, what your reaction was when you first heard the news coming out of Israel. I know you have, you have many contacts, family and, and friends over in Israel. Um, what was your response? So let me just tell you first how I heard, because how I heard fits into my response. Mm. We had just finished uh, Friday night services, and I was walking out of the synagogue. Somebody said to me, Rabbi, I think there's a war in Israel. I said, well, a war? Yeah, there's a lot of rockets. So, you know, there's always rockets. Unfortunately, we've gotten used to this. So I get home and I, I, I said, how could there be war? So I turn on my TV, which I don't usually do on a Friday night. I have Israeli TV, so I turn on my TV. I switch to channel 12, Israeli channel 12. And I start looking at images of white pickup trucks in the city of Zerot with Hamas uh, uh, terrorists shooting around. Mm. And these are live images from cell phones. So people are just like sending into the, the offices of channel 12 in Tel Aviv. Not only that, but I start hearing people calling the newscast, telling them that the, the, the terrorists are two houses away from me. They're shooting everybody. And at first, you don't know what's going on. You, you don't know how to react to this, tie because this doesn't happen in Israel. Right. Right. The question is not, not how can this happen? Because we know these brutal animals are capable of doing whatever they are going to do. The question is, how did Israel not know? Mm -hmm. I was watching a science fiction movie you know, a friend of mine told me that uh, the the TV show Fauda had came, come up with an idea of a Hamas invasion to Israel. And they discarded the idea because it, they thought it was too extreme and nobody was going to watch it. Yes. Exactly what happened. So it, it's, it felt just like 9-11, right? This cannot be happening. How can this be happening? Are those really planes? Seriously, it's exactly how it felt. It was horrible. Now, one of the things I think a lot of uh, maybe some of my listeners, especially non-Jewish uh, people, don't necessarily grasp is how profoundly this impacts not only Israelis, but, but Jewish people worldwide throughout the diaspora. Can you speak to that? How is it that an attack that happens thousands of miles away um, strikes at the heart of every Jewish person, wherever they may be? Look, it is clear to us that they're not only coming to attack Israel. They're coming to attack the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And it's time that people understand that Israel and the Jewish people are indistinguishable from one another. People will try us to make believe that one thing is Zionism and one thing is Judaism. You know, Zionism and Judaism go together. Right. There's no anti-Semitism and anti-Semitism. They're both the same thing. So when they attack Israelis, they are attacking Jews. And, and the, the problem is that it affected us because we already knew 
that these started in Israel that are coming for us ultimately, right? Mm -hmm. And so the Jewish community worldwide starts getting alarmed immediately after this happens, Ty. How can we not? And look, a couple of weeks later, look at what's happening in the world. You saw what happened at that airport in Russia. Right. I mean, it's insanity. Yeah. Well, you were saying before we uh, started recording that the response of the uh, non-Jewish community in Las Vegas has been pretty positive uh, in support, but how, how are your congregants dealing with this? Uh, there's two ways in which people are reacting right now. There's no one who's, there's no indifferent people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Either people are scared and they're scared for their children that are in college campuses, which is a very legitimate fear, by the way, mm -hmm. because these uh, super liberal colleges in the United States are doing absolutely nothing. And by the way, when I use the word super liberal, you understand I am not a conservative myself, hey. right? You, I know that very well, right? right? I'm kind of like in the center, right? Uh, but they're doing nothing in these colleges to stop the, the anti-Jewish violence. And uh, people are afraid for their children. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you an example. We decided to put out these signs that say, we stand with Israel. It's a lone sign, like kind of like the political signs you put on political campaign. Mm -hmm. And I printed a thousand of them. We run out of them. But the majority of the signs have gone to non-Jewish people. Uh, Pastor Josh Thais asked me for 400 signs for his mm. congregation. A good and friend I of ours. Printing more, they're delivering them to me tomorrow. Mm. So it's been it's been really crazy. Right? And of course, there's the other side, right? There are Jews who are proud. They're, we're all proud. Right. But there are Jews like me who say, I'm not going to be afraid. You know, 1930 was a time to be afraid. Mm -hmm. Right now, we know what happens if we show fear. So not only are we not going to show fear, we're going to show that we can defend ourselves and that they're not going to cower us down with their threats and not only their threats, but their actions. Well, let's talk about the world's response to this, because at first there seemed to be pretty much universal condemnation of the attack, um, which was surprising. What was not surprising is that there was a reversal on that very quickly and um, many leading voices in, in politics and in media and in, in academia are now uh, trying to make excuses for Hamas by saying, uh, we, we keep hearing, these attacks did not happen in a vacuum or violent responses or justified acts to oppression. Um, I, want, I know that's it's unthinkable for us, but what kind of a worldview do people who hold, who, who can say those things, what kind of worldview do they have? So I want to refer you and your and your listeners to a book that was published a couple of years ago by Dara Horn, who ironically teaches at Harvard. Mm -hmm. And the book is called People Love Dead Jews. It's an excellent book, horrible, <laughs> horrible title, right. but yeah. Here's the thing, right? As long as Jews are dying, as long as, as Jews are the ones that are being murdered uh, relentlessly and violently and cowardly, the people love the Jews. Mm -hmm. The moment we stand up for ourselves and defend ourselves, they take a step back, right? Because they love us when we're the underdogs. They love us when our blood is on the, on the ground, but they don't love us when we say, hey, we're going to defend ourselves. Right. They've never liked that. And when you read that book, you'll get a complete understanding of how this goes. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly the feeling, right? The moment we stand up for ourselves, people just don't like it. I know that you could write uh, books, volumes of books uh, in answer to this next question. But with those who are saying, you know, they're, they're saying that this is a genocide or that it's in response to genocide 
um, occupation. Can you just, for, for people who are completely uneducated about Israel, can you give a thumbnail answer to those charges? Of course. So I had a congregant who sent me uh, a, an email after I spoke about this. He said to me, Rabbi, you cannot respond to a war crime with another war crime, implying that Israel mm-hmm. is committing a war crime in responding to the, the Palestinians, Hamas. And my answer was very simple, right? You know, last year I was in Hiroshima, in, in Japan, and I went to the peace uh, compound, the peace museum. They have its beautiful place. And when you go through it, uh, you really get a, a sense of, of, of uh, how time stood still for these people. But the other thing you get a sense of is that they did nothing to deserve this. Mm. When you go through that memorial, it is like America just dropped this bomb out of the blue, okay, mm. that they didn't... They never saw it coming. They never murdered anybody. They never tortured anyone. So this is what happens, Ty, right? People are courageous and valiant when they can murder innocent people without getting a response. The the moment the coward stands up and defends him or herself, then that becomes a war crime. It is not a war crime. Sometimes you have to go to war. It is like the book of Ecclesiastes says, right? There's a time for peace and there's a time for war. This is like Prime Minister Netanyahu said, our time for war. And sometimes when you go to war to destroy your enemies, there's collateral damage. Tell America to fight a war without collateral damage. That's never going to happen. Tell the Europeans, tell Ukraine, tell the Russians. That's never going to happen. But because we're Jews, right, the world applies a double moral standard to us. That goes along with the theme of people of the Jews, by the way. If any other army in the world would have to go to battle with the moral weight that Israeli soldiers do, Nobody will win any wars. Mm-hmm. And by the way, our soldiers watch tremendously what they do, and they watch out for that morality. And that's why so many of them could actually die doing this. It's not an easy thing to do. Well, it's the same with this this charge, and I keep hearing this, of disproportionate force. On what planet does anyone who has been attacked care about proportionate force? So, so what should we do to use proportionate force? Should we go in and decapitate 400 babies? Right. Should we go in, rape 600 women, and kidnap 30 elders, and you know, and mutilate their genitals, and behead them and burn them alive? Is that proportionate force? Is that what we're supposed to do? Right. How do you respond to this? Yeah. So Because that's what it was, by the way. Exactly. And I want to know your answer. I have, a, I have a, an answer based on my own theology, but why the double standard for Jews? Why... There are there are true human rights violators out there who are not held to account accountability. They're actually usually on the on the UN uh, Security Council, and yet the Jewish people are held to a different standard. Why do you think that is? Look, Ty, we're like the canary in the coal mine, right? When the Jewish people struggles, this is the first sign of a sick world. You see it throughout history, right? So people want to see us, like you know, in these picture perfect picture world where we do everything that we're supposed to do according to what they don't do mm. they, they want us to be who they are not the moment that we do things the way they do right they fear that the world's going to come to an end yeah right Jews are expected to be alive unto the nations and trust me we behave being alive unto the nations we have that moral charge but sometimes bring being alive unto the nations means that you have to wake up early in the morning mm-hmm. and kill your enemy before the, your enemy kills you. Yeah. That's in the top. Mm. Well, you alluded to this um, a little bit earlier, but let's say before the war, 
Did you see any line at all between anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism, or are they? Com- did you? Would you say even then they're completely the same thing? I've never seen a line, Ty. You know that yeah. I, I said is the same thing. It's like when people come to me, and they say they hate Israel but they love Jews. It's like saying you, I, I, I love Mexico but I hate Mexicans. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you can't do that. It, it doesn't go that way. Right. Israel state it's a home of the Jewish people. You cannot love Jews and hate Israel. It doesn't go that way. It, it can't work that way. Yeah. Let's talk about the human, the, the quote unquote humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Do you think there is one? And if so, whose fault is it that it exists? This humanitarian crisis, if, there, if it exists, it's 100% Hamas's fault. So they don't have any fuel, right? However, they still fire rockets. So mm-hmm. they clearly have fuel for rockets. Uh, they don't have any fuel, but they still have a way to illuminate their tunnels and to pop oxygen into those tunnels. And those militants, those terrorists, those brutal animals in those tunnels are still eating while their children are dying above ground, right? right? So the humanitarian crisis is not caused by Israel. It's caused by them. Those millions and millions of dollars the world has given them to relieve their burden, they've used for destruction instead of helping feed their people. Mm -hmm. This is what's going on right now. They had a choice. When we left Gaza, they could have gone the way of Dubai and Singapore. They chose to become Afghanistan. That was a conscious choice. Nobody made that choice for them. They made that choice. They elected Hamas. This is of their own choosing. We didn't choose this for them. This is what the world needs to understand. Do you think this war changes, um, whether Jewish or or not Jewish, uh, the view that there can be a two-state solution? I personally believe there needs to be a two-state solution, mm-hmm. right? I need. I believe they need to be on the other side of us and never come close to us again. Mm. They need to stay in their state. We stay in our state. By the way, that's what was happening in Gaza, right? That They govern themselves. Right. So this is a war between two states. I mean, clearly they don't have an army. They have a terrorist organization, right? But this is what we tried. But there's no way they can live with us. They need their own state 100%. They need to be separated from us. Yeah. And it should be noted, Hamas is not a dictatorship. They were elected by the people. So they were elected. I think a lot of people don't understand that, that when given the opportunity to elect their own governance, it's to elect Hamas terrorists. And and by the way, when I say to states, look, if they can demonstrate to us that they're peaceful, that they want progress, that they want prosperity, of course they they can come to the border. Of course we can cooperate with each other. But you want to have a murder next door? And, and like go more their lawn every day, hoping they don't shoot you. Right. Which is essentially what Israel has had to do for decades. But. Right. I mean, I don't want our soldiers in there. Nobody does. Right. I, look, Golda Meir says, said once that the thing that she resents the most about the Palestinians and the Arabs is not that they kill our children, but that they make us kill theirs. Mm. It's yeah. a very heavy thing. Yeah, I can send my children to war. I can tell my children, look, it's a righteous war. We have to defend ourselves. But to see my kids pull the trigger to shoot another human being, that's unforgivable. Yeah, That's a burden I have to live with for the rest of my life. We, we don't enjoy this time. Nobody enjoys this. Right. You've been politically active uh, for a long time. Uh, particularly as it concerns Israel, lobbying, I would say bipartisan uh, lobbying for Israel. President Biden 
and most American political officials on, on both sides of the aisle have come out with um, statements in support of Israel to varying degrees of, of strength, but they have come out in support of Israel, denounced uh, Hamas. Do you think these statements have teeth? In other words, uh, are they just words, or are they going to be backed up by tangible support long term? I think they're going to be backed up by tangible support. Mm. Uh, I really believe we have tremendous friends on both sides of the aisle. I think that America understands that it's not only about friendship, right? Hamas is like the Islamic State. They're coming for the Western world. The utmost representation of freedom and justice and liberty in the Western world is the United States of America. That's where they're coming from. I mean, don't think that it's a coincidence that Iranians call Israel the little Satan and America the big Satan. Right. right? That's not poetic. That's really what they mean. Well, and I think in that that same vein, I think uh, believers in Jesus need to understand that just as, as you said, Felipe, the Jewish people are always the canary in the coal mine and who is almost always next in line. They're, they're Christians. I mean, true Christians, not just Gentiles. But look at, what, look at what ISIS did to Christians in Iraq. Exactly. I mean, whoever does not remember that and is a Christian needs an urgent history lesson. Yeah. Okay. Look at what they did to Christians. We cannot that we cannot have that happen again anywhere. Not to Christians, not to anyone else. These people are murderers. And I'm not saying that all Muslims are like that at all. But this manifestation of radical Islam needs to go. It needs to go. I want to talk uh, just about one one other point. And this uh, is regarding non-Jewish support of Israel. You said things have been you know pretty good in Las Vegas, but you, I know, and, and your rabbinic colleagues there in Vegas um, are involved in interfaith work. You have been for a number of years. I know that you personally speak out in defense of other oppressed and marginalized people, of other religions and backgrounds. Have you received the same kind of support from your non-Jewish religious colleagues? I have to tell you, uh, at the beginning of this whole thing, there was a tremendous amount of silence, mm. except from the evangelical community. And uh, a couple of, believe it or not, Catholic uh, high-ranking officials, I don't know even what to call them, they also responded pretty well to this. Okay. But I'll tell you what's not cool. Uh, do you remember the shooting of the mosque in New Zealand? Yes. There was a shooting in New Zealand. And I remember vividly me and Rabbi Bradley Tectil and Pastor Josh Dice, we just jumped and went to the mosque in Las Vegas. I remember that there in a service with them when hamas came into israel and they decapitated our babies and they burned our people do you know how many muslims called me to tell me to ask me how i was doing mm. zero incredible and the same thing that happened after 9 11 and i want americans to remember that nobody was able to condemn it nobody i mean people were not dancing up and joining the street right? right but they were not condemning it yeah and People who are peace-loving need to learn to condemn this immediately. Immediately. The only Arab nation that outright condemned Hamas was the United Arab Emirates, mm. which is a product of the Abraham Accords, by right. the way. Right. Well, Felipe, one final question here, and that is a lot of, our, a lot of my listeners are evangelical Christians. They, they don't need to be convinced to support Israel. Um, what do you say to them? What what can they do? Uh, they're praying, and I, I would say 
not just praying. Praying is probably the, the most important thing anyone can do. But aside from praying, do you have any tangible steps they could take to demonstrate support for Israel and support for the Jewish communities wherever they may live? Yes. First of all, I'll tell you something that happened to me last Sunday. I went to uh, services uh, at Southern Hills Church, and uh, Josh invited me, and it really did a lot for my soul to be there with him mm. and to see his community pray for Israel. So prayers are tremendous. But another thing that happened, all of his uh, you know, church goers, they all put up signs that said, we support Israel. Mm. Many of them, you know, I started a campaign to raise funds for ambulances in Israel for, for the Israeli Red uh, uh, Star of David. And many of his uh, members are not Jewish, of course, are sending us donations for those ambulances. So there's always a, an opportunity to help support Israel in this very, very trying time. Every, every city has a congregation or a federation doing some fundraising for something very important in Israel right now. Help them. It's super important. You'll feel better, too. Well, Felipe, it's always a, a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, I'm sorry we have to speak on these terms, uh, given what's happening in Israel. But uh, thank you for taking the time to talk with me. I know you you know it, but it bears repeating that we at the Friends of Israel, and I, and I speak on behalf of many evangelical Christians, we stand uh, with you and your people unconditionally, and we, uh, we're so proud to do that. So, I'm Yisrael Chai. I'm Yisrael Chai. Thank you, Ty. God bless you, man. Thank you. You've been listening to Gesher, a ministry outreach production of FOI Equip, your free resource for learning and engaging with the scriptures from a Jewish perspective. To learn more, visit foiequip.org. And for more information about Thai, visit foi.org forward slash Perry. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom.